the night before Christmas. He lived all alone in a one-bedroom house made of plaster and stone. I had come down the chimney with presents to give and to see just who in this dwelling did live. I looked all around, a strange sight to see. No tinsel, no presents, not even a tree. No stockings on the mantel, just boots filled with sand. On the wall hung pictures of far distant lands. Medals and badges, awards of every kind. A sobering thought came alive in my mind. This house was different. It was dark, it was dreary. I had found the home of a soldier. I could see that most clearly. The soldier lay sleeping, silent, alone, curled up on the floor in this one-bedroom home. His face was so gentle, the room in such disorder, not at all how I pictured a United States soldier. Was this the hero of whom I just read, curled up on a poncho, the floor for a bed. Then I realized the other families that I saw this night owed their lives to soldiers who were willing to fight. In the morning round the world, children would play. Grown-ups would celebrate a bright Christmas day. But they all enjoy freedom each month of the year because of soldiers like the one lying here. I couldn't help but wonder how many lay alone on a cold Christmas Eve in lands far from home. The very thought put a tear to my eye. I dropped to my knees and I started to cry. The soldier awakened. I heard his rough voice. Santa, don't cry. This life is my choice. I fight for freedom. I don't ask for more. My life is my God, my country, my core. The soldier rolled over and drifted asleep. But I couldn't control it and I continued to weep. I kept watch for hours. So silent and still as both of us shivered from the cold night's chill. I didn't want to leave him on that cold, dark night. This guardian of honor, so willing to fight. Then the soldier rolled over with a voice soft and pure. He whispered, carry on, Santa. It's Christmas Day, all secure. One look at my watch, I knew he was right. Merry Christmas, my friend. May God bless you this night.
The SITREF Podcast is sponsored by Black Sight Studio, the creators of incredible pre-color terrain. Whether you're looking for terrain in 28 or 15 millimeter, they have a wide selection just for you. No matter the type of game, Black Sight Studio has exactly what you are looking for. They have new releases all the time, and their catalog continues to grow. So the next time you're considering new terrain, jump over to Black Sight Studio, and you will find just what you need. Remember to let them know you heard from us. Black Sight Studio, the official sponsors of the SITREP Podcast. Everybody, this is G, and you're listening to our Christmas episode of the Sit Rep Podcast, your home for everything modern military gaming. And today we have four members of the command team, one of them newly enlisted. I will start off with our newest member, and that's Gaz from over in England. Gaz, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much. It's great to be here. Great to be chat back on the show. Excellent. So just so you guys are aware, he was on the last episode of the podcast and we recruited him because he liked it so much or I bribed him, one of the two. But he is back and will be uh, one of the regular members when his schedule allows. And then also from the other side of the pond is Ralph. Welcome, Ralph. Thank you, G. Thank you. Yes, I'm no longer outnumbered. <laughs> it was almost beginning to feel like the American Revolution all over again, but uh, we evened up the sides. Liberty or death. <laughs> and that voice is our historical guru and game master and Big Jim Ariskany from sunny Florida. Hello, everybody. And then as I am, I am G, and we are ready to rock and roll for this holiday episode, and this will be the final episode of the podcast for 2019. So let's go ahead and get started with some uh, news first, because Ralph just put into my ear that sit, uh, sit uh, No, I wish we had our own miniatures, but I have not got that yet. But uh, good old Spectre has some new releases, right, Ralph? Yeah. Yeah, they do. They just, um, it was done yesterday. They've announced one, two, three, four. There's five new miniatures. There's a double set and a lot of singles, and it's all for the African range that they do. So these are support elements for African nomads. So that's an RPG and a PKM, I think it is. So it's a machine gun. Then you've got an Af- a militia, like a, an African militia squad leader who's got an AK. He's got a hoodie on and things. Yeah, then you've got another squad leader with an AK and a vest. And then you've got a, a warlord who's looking, holding from the picture. It looks like an M16 with an M203 underneath. Um, and then you've got a crew member called Crew Member India, and he's an African. He's in like a baseball cap and things, but it's for the tentacles. So if you wanted to start putting, you know, instead of having the Middle East tentacle gunners and things like that, that's, that's a lot of their range. Uh-huh. They're starting to do things with, within the African element that they've created as well. And they were announced yesterday. So it's just before Christmas. 
okay. And this is uh, under which section if somebody's looking in the website for it? Um, it'll be up, I think. I think I put a link up, but it's on the Spectres Operations website as well. Okay. Um, but if you just go to Spectres website, generally, they'll be on the front page there. But it's nice to, you know, they showed off these greens, I think, about a month ago, maybe a little less. Okay. They're on their Instagram page that had Stephen had posted up some pictures. It was about the same time that they announced the change to their, where they were getting their vehicles done, where they were going to move that out outside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so it was around the same time they posted up some greens, but yeah, they've, they've released them just before Christmas. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, any other interesting news from anybody at this point in time? Um, there was Empress as well. Uh-huh. Did a release. Oh, well, I don't know if it's a release. I think they are out. They have released a load of middle Af- like Afghan Iraqi civilians. Yeah, I need to grab some of those for my table. Yeah. So, so I saw them them getting released to Empress. I know Spectre do some as well, so you can intermix and probably even put some of the ones from Eureka Games because Eureka Games do a load as well. Yeah. So that's four. Twelve. So yeah, it was, it was a, there's a group of four. There's two groups of four, three groups of four. There's three groups of four and then a bunch of guys on, uh, and a, a guy on board a bike with a with a pillion. So they've just put them out as well and they were released on the 12th of December. So Nice. So I think that's it really from moderns. I think there's been some gringo have been showing up some Vietnam stuff, but um, I'm not too sure. Yeah, they uh, were showing off some more Vietnam. There were some guys, uh, I think it was Marines, Jim, if I'm not mistaken. And they were carrying M14s. Um, So, you know, early Vietnam. Um, So they look really nice. I tell you what, Gringo 40 is making some amazing, amazing um, minis right now. So I haven't seen these, but there are other Vietnam minis that we saw earlier were really, I mean, they've already gushed about them a lot, but uh, yeah, check out those earlier episodes. They are really, I mean, on a 28 millimeter miniature, and you can tell whether it's an M16 or an M16A1 because where the forward assist is, I mean, on a 28 millimeter miniature, that's some pretty good detail. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. So... Um, another bit of news, there's a special going on on Sarissa um, Terrain, Sarissa Precision to be exact. Uh, they have a deal going on right now for the Wald Ambassadors residence in 28 mil, it's MDF. Uh, comes with the residence and the walls and the gates and stuff. Um, it, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's a really pretty reasonable one because right now is that new s- session that we all like to call Spend G's Money, which I'm doing literally as we speak. Just order this. Um, but the reason I'm, I bring it up is because last night I had a little bit of uh, time after... I apologize. I was supposed to live stream. This would have been Friday night, but we had what's called joint commission in the hospital. Uh, They do every three years a big survey of the hospital and give us accreditation, uh, which helps with the government and stuff. And uh, this wrapped up a week of uh, survey. So it's been very long, long days for me this week. Um, But I got home and crashed. I put on 13 hours. Uh, if you guys have not seen that movie, I highly recommend it. It is the story of Benghazi. 
Uh, Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. Yeah. So uh, the movie is very, very good. Um, so I just happened to see that Sarissa has put out a um, kit called the Ambassadors Compound or Residence Set. And I am going to build a table based on 13 hours or Benghazi. So, oh, nice. um, you know, between what Spectre minis they have out, you know, their private PMCs, which could be used as the GRS. GRS is a civilian um, ex-military contractor security force. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and work on that and do a, a scenario there. So I am excited for that. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see um, that one where they transition between the black site and the actual compound. Yeah. How are you going to work the rules for, you know, moving down the streets and the vehicles and stuff? That's going to be really interesting to see which rule set you pick. Well, you know, I might have to go to our rule set guru to create some excellent, uh, you know, rules for that transition. I wonder who that is. (laughs) Another challenge thrown out to the big gym. Oh, man. Sounds like a plan. So I just literally ordered it. I am waiting uh, with anticipated breath on that one. Okay. So it's a really good deal. Michael Charge. Sorry, G, but Michael Charge on his blog put up. I think he ordered it and he's got it laid out. Uh huh. So you can actually see roughly how big it is because it's quite a a meaty. You know, it's quite a size as well. Once you've got it all built with the with the the walls around it, so for and you extend it as well because they do send the, sell the walls separately. And so you could, have, you know, yeah. If if say for example you had enough space, you could you know extend it by another couple of buildings and just build it out to be in a, a full on compound. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna have the to other that. thing is yeah, and the other thing as well is not only would the sort of the the, the spectre sort of undercover and the, the 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 sort of the civilian closed spectre minis that they do you know the guys the other sets which would work with that is the task force operators as well which are the oh, guys yeah, you know yeah. with the helmets and stuff on but you can paint them because I've I've taken like task force uh, the operators group foxtrot uh-huh. and I painted one of the guys with denims on and like because t- he's got denims and t-shirt and stuff oh yeah and just the, the helmet and stuff so they're perfect for yeah they'd you know, be the that. GRS okay. so that'd mm-hmm. be perfect yeah. yep yeah and then, you, you know, you got to do the 17th February guys because um, they have to be in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. So uh, it's nice that there are so many options right now to create a table like this. And I, I think the goal of this project for me would be, you know, how the chief of the compound, the CIA compound would not release the GRS to go help mm-hmm. the state guys and, you know, the ambassador. If we released them earlier, would it have made a difference? So yeah. you get to play so the what if. So, so, so uh, mm-hmm. I'm excited to look to see how that goes. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, before we transition to some other things, uh, anybody, Ralph, have you been hobbying at all lately? I haven't. Um, it's sort of the winding down, winding up time at work. So I've sort of been eating a little bit of this because we are, with my job, 
we are now having to completely assist our lecturers into rewriting all of their materials because there's going to be no longer any face-to-face uh-huh. lectures. It's all going to be set, uh, seminars and practicals because I work for the medical school or the, the, the nursing part of it. So we're having to change all their lectures to e-learning. So that's eating up my time. So when I come home, I just want to vegetate in front of the TV. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> No, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. These uh, task force operators look awesome. Those are definitely off to pick those up. Um, how about you, Gaz? Any hobbying going on? Sadly, no. Unfortunately, pilots at work wanted to fly right up until we broke up for Christmas. How dare so they? We, uh, yeah. It's, I'll tell you what, it's an all-weather That's aircraft. It's a shame we can't get all-weather pilots, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so um, they were supposed to finish flying Thursday last week, uh, late Thursday last week, and they ended up flying all the way through to the following Tuesday on nights okay. to get their currency up so we could break them up for Christmas. Uh, and then everybody fell off the wagon and fell into the bar, so... Um, yeah, not much got done. Did you guys have your dining out? Did you guys do your uh, annual? Yeah, we had our party? officers to seniors. Yeah, so, yeah. The officers hosted us this year up at their mess. Uh, we made, uh, we won all the games, destroyed them at drinking, the usual <laughs> things. Um, so we uh, we made ourselves proud. It took as much as we could of their kit back to our mess. That when they came back to ours, they found half of their stuff in our mess as well. Excellent. That we snuck out while they weren't looking. While they were tactically distracted, I think is the term. <laughs> That's but, awesome. Um, no, over the Christmas period, I'm uh, I'm going to pick up some of the White Dragon miniatures that yeah, uh, I brought over for you because they're such good minis. Yeah. Um, and that gives me all of Christmas to sit down and go through recommendations and rules and see what games and boards I can build. Perfect. Awesome. All right, Jim, you're up. Any hobbying? Actually, uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, my Marines are finally done. I've pivoted over to my Iraqis uh, for 1991 Gulf Storm, uh, Gulf, um, Gulf War, Desert Storm. Uh-huh. Um, playing around with a few other projects. And uh, yeah, uh, like we'll probably get to later, we've been um, giving some play tests to uh, contact fun. Uh-huh. So yeah, we've had a little bit of hobby over here on this Excellent. And uh, for me, obviously, Jim and I did contact front. Um, I think you've created an excellent system to uh, test minis over distance. Yeah, it was uh, mini good base to watch. Game. It was uh, good to watch. I mean, okay. So we're, I know we're going to talk about it, but I, I still am stunned that you were able to create that entire map and the miniature graphics within 24 hours. I threw out the challenge to you. Um, you didn't copy them from somewhere. You created it. So uh, About 95% of it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the secret sauce is um, if, if you ever get into graphic design, um, save everything. Um, never ever delete a file. I mean, I don't care how many thumb drives or external hard drives you have to buy, save everything. And then what you can do is when something like this comes up, you can, um, you know, uh, repurpose previous assets and, you know, put it together. Yeah. So, um, yeah, over time you build up a big library and before you know it, um, if you keep them in the right format, so you have the right software, you can just, you know, take something you've used for something else. Uh, like um, the, uh, the the Taliban and the um, <laughs> excuse me the Taliban and the U.S. Army figures that we had for that game, um, and also a big part of the map were actually just previous assets from HK House, which in turn were previous you know things taken from other projects, taken from other projects, taken from other projects. Uh-huh. So I mean, yeah, I didn't sit down with a sketch pad like at 4 p.m. Saturday, and by 3 p.m. Sunday we were gaming. Um, 
But um, yeah, if you save everything, you will eventually build up a, uh, you know, a nice, big enough asset library where you know you'll be able to get things like this turned around, you know, in pretty quick order. Yeah, it was really good. So um, other than that, hobby wise, um, I just worked on the you know White Dragon Miniatures that Gaz so kindly gave me. Um, you know, and um, I'm really looking forward to it. I got a couple of Kickstarter games in. I know they're not modern, but I have to speak to them. Uh, Jim, have you ever heard of Worthington Press games? Um, actually, no. Not, not you need to check them out. They are uh, basically Hex Encounter games. Uh, okay. You know, it's a company that produces games now. And I got, you got me so far. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> one of them I got was Custer's Last Stand. Uh, it, it was a Kickstarter last year, so I backed at it because it's Custer and I love the Old West and, you know, so I got that one. And then the other one I got was Victoria Cross, uh, the, uh, what, and, uh, what do they call it? The Victoria Cross 2, the uh, Enhanced Edition. And it comes with the Battle of Rourke's Drift and Islandwana. So um, that one is more, it's not Hex Encounter, it's Zones. So you're, you're building, you know, you're using your, it's counters, but instead of yeah. using hexes, they use zones, um, you know, because you're at such a large scale, especially with Ishlinwana. So um, I am really excited to get those on the, on the table and play those over the next few weeks. So other than that, that's pretty much been my hobbying. Um, so let's transition over to um, a quick talk about what we did with Contact Front. So, as you guys know from our last podcast, we gave a very brief overview, review, if you will, of the rules of Contact Front. And we did put out the disclaimer that we had not actually physically played the game. Uh, it was just our precursor review of the rules and our comments and, you know, just based on what we saw. Um, we had a couple people contact us and say, you know, this... Your eval is based at 28 mil and the rules are based on 20 mil, but they are scalable, et cetera, et cetera. We understand that. We totally get it. Um, our comments, if you will, obviously are our own opinion. Um, you know, they were never meant to bash anybody. If anybody took it that way, we, we apologize, but I don't think we did. But uh, we realized that. But we, our point was ranges in modern games, they're, they're kind of not necessary because modern weapons, but for playability, we understand it, right? So to be fair uh, to the game, Jim and I, I threw out to Jim on a Saturday and I said, Jim, let's put together a live stream because, you know, at the time we didn't, I don't think you had anything really planned. And I said, let's try and do contact front as a live stream. Jim being Jim goes, that's a challenge. I accept by 2 p.m. my time the following day, he had a game board done. He had pieces created and we were and the tables were already up and everything was ready to go. And we played a game of contact front. Uh, Jim, do you want to take it from there and tell us, you know, what your thought process and, you know, your impressions? And, you know, I know we didn't play the full rules or, you know, the like, you know, the objective, the hidden objectives. But you want to take us through it? Oh, sure. OK, so, yeah, we wanted to give a try at Contact Front. Now, obviously, uh, G is up in Chicago and I'm down here in South Florida, so I couldn't get on a plane and, you know, bring a table up there. They don't fit very well in the overhead bins. Um, so what we do instead is we set up a, um, a game board, uh, a virtual game board, and then we create um, what passes for miniatures. They, they, they look 
they look like a miniature would look if you're looking at them from, you know, above or whatever. Uh, complete with little bits of gravel on the base and the whole nine yards. The point is, uh, especially when you're trying to test a game, is make sure the table's the right size, make sure the miniatures are quote-unquote the right size, um, and so forth. And then take the rule book, and what we're able to do through a shared desktop experience is actually play the game Obviously, it'll be in a two-dimensional way, so some of the true line of sight rules will look, won't work 100% the same, but you're getting 95% of the game, if not its visual impact and its mechanical um, playability. So we, uh, I sat down and I created a, uh, what was scaled to be a 6 by 4 table, um, and you're able to do this, you know, whether you zoom in or zoom out or whatever. I mean, the, the, the whole video is over there on YouTube, so it's also on Twitch. So, you know, you guys can check it out if you want. We've been uh, with other members of our group and uh, even people outside of our immediate community. I've been playing, you know, either Hex Encounter or Straight Out Miniatures games virtually for upwards of 10 years. So this is something that, you know, we've been doing for a while. Um, we've got the hang of it. Um, what we didn't really have the hang of is obviously Contact Front. It was the first time I was really looking at the rule book. Um, and we were talking about it in our previous podcast, but I didn't have a copy of the rule book at the time. I think Ralph, uh, I ended to me like, you know, our, I should say our cigarette review copy uh, over to me like that day. So by the time we got to the actual game the next week, I actually had read the rules and we were able to actually, you know, play through a game. Uh, or at least a beginning test game, just to kind of see how it works. Uh, we didn't want our stream to be super long, so I kept it very, very small. It was pretty much a U.S. Marine, I'm sorry, a U.S. Army squad, two fire teams of four and a sergeant, up against a, uh, a small group of uh, Taliban, uh, buying off of the Taliban early insurgency list. I came out with 10 guys, which obviously wasn't enough. But again, we were just trying to test the game out. Yep. And, um, you know, to see how it worked. Um, I thought the game worked pretty well. Um, I think the rule book needs another quick uh, buzz through an editor. There were a few tables that didn't line up with the rules. Um, so the tables were actually pretty important, like, you know, the basic chance or whatever. Um, I don't know if that would call it a problem with the rule system. I think the rule book just needs like one more, you know, uh, look with a fresh set of eyes or something. Other than that, I think it played really well. Yeah. Um, the range the issues is something that, you know, we like to complain about here on Sitback. It's like, you know, it's part of our shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on a 20 or 28 or even 15 or even 10 millimeter table, um, the, 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 the actual range of modern firearms is, is really tough. Um, I've said this about World War II games. I'll say this about World War I games. Once you get out of black powder, firearms ranges in a miniature become really problematic. And, you know, that's just, that's just physics, you know. Um, that said, uh, I was very, uh, it was interesting to see that I mean, we were looking for range modifiers on some of the small arms fire. Like, okay, you were taking like a relatively long range shot. Um, or at least long, you know, in our game or whatever. Yeah. And we're like, okay, uh, I see where you have this chance to hit, but then, you know, okay, I'm at this range bracket, that range bracket, the area fire, or I should say in that game, the uh, section fire table is very, uh, is very uh, range dependent. You know, there's this chance within 20 inches, there's this chance within 30 inches, there's this chance within 40, 50, whatever. And I was like, okay, uh, where is that for a regular, like individual aim part? There isn't one. And I was like, okay, I think what they're trying to do with, I don't want to speak for them or whatever, but I think what they were trying to do is not only hit a playability balance in the game system, but also just say, look, 
we're not even going to worry about long range fire. We're going to say that these soldiers, or these insurgents only take shots that are relatively close range. I won't say point blank, but relatively close range. Uh-huh. And um, number one, get the game world to fit on a six by four table. And number two, ditch one more table, you know, because too many tables can, you know, drag a game down. Ditch one more table to where it will be very, um, you know, it'll play a lot faster or whatever. So all shots seem to be close range shots. There were no modifiers for range, uh, you know, increases, you know, brackets further down range, so to speak, like negative one after 20 inches, negative two after 30 inches. There was none of that, at least that I could see. Yeah. Specifically for individual fire. For section fire, that's something else. But for individual fire, it just seemed to be here's your chance to hit and here's your range. And that, that range number, whether it's at 15, 20, 20, or even 10, it's really short. Um, then again, that's also dependent on the size of the table that you play. This is something I've noticed in a lot of miniature games. They never tell you how big to make the table. I find that a little frustrating. Because, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, you guys know me. I'm much more... How big is the table? I want to know numbers. I want math. I want to. If, if I can't put it in, in, a, in a you know in a Pareto graph, I'm going to be upset about something. So um, it's just you know the, the way I'm wired or whatever. Um, but you know, miniature games don't always work that way. Um, I like the way the book was written. I like the way the book uh, captured the difference between insurgents and. Um, regular forces of the coalition. Um, they give you good lists for both the Americans and the British. They give you two different lists for the Taliban. They give you what they call the invasion list for the initial, you know, 2001 uh, phase of the operation. Then they give you what they call early insurgency from 2002 to 06. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it seemed to take a lot of ideas from really great games and put them together in a new and interesting way, uh, in an original way. Um, I think all games, um, are going to uh, you know borrow from from other systems at least to some extent. I mean, there's, we all use the same dice, we all use the same number system. We all you know we're all basing our historical games off of the same conflicts, whatever. We all share one history uh, as far as you know uh, military history goes. Uh-huh. Um, so the challenge is to put it together in a in a way that's new and at the same time bring something new to it. And that's definitely what Contact Front was doing. It was. Taking a little bit from, you know, battle group, taking a little bit from uh, 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 force on force. And uh, some people in the chat were mentioning um, chain of command. But where it was, I think, succeeding was putting it together in a, in, a, in, a, in a new way. And then on top of that, adding a great deal of um, Afghanistan-specific um, elements uh, to their system to include IED, searching for suicide bombers, uh, rules of engagement, friendly fire. Um, you know what to do when civilians are around. Uh, some some situations that look more like um, police missions rather than straight out kinetic military missions or whatever. You know, right. go and kill the bad guys, kill everyone, let them you know sort it out later. Uh, there were some missions that were definitely not like that. And uh, yeah, that was the one thing that uh, we regrettably didn't get to do in our first play test was the um, was the was the objective system. The objective system and the campaign system for that game seems really well thought out. And they really uh, did a good job at making the game not just here's here's the blue team, here's the red team. You know, made the best man win. Right. You know, it's you know, there's a little, there's a lot more. There's a lot, there's, there's a big meta game layer on top of that, and there's a little bit of subtext underneath it. Um, that uh, I mean, you, you would have to do like a full playthrough uh, to try that out. And um, I'm not saying that we couldn't do that virtually. I don't know if we could do that on the stream. Is it maybe like a four or five, six, seven hour stream or whatever? But we uh, can maybe break it. D Day. 
We did D-Day. Yeah, that was nine and a half hours. I, I, I haven't heard from one of those guys since, so I don't know if I killed him or not. <laughs> um, that was a fun game. Uh, yeah, but it's, you know, yeah, it was a great game. Um, I think the game system is definitely off to a great start, and it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I would definitely like to play another game with the actual objective system in it. I think we could do it. Um, you know, I, I think we could do it because uh, I would like to give the rules, you know, a fair shake as far as they intended it to be played. You know, not just straight on combat like we kind of did. Um, Gaz, you watched the stream. Um, yeah, I did. What did you think? <laughs> um, I, I also have quite a unique exp- sort of perspective on yeah. it. It's, um, it seems to have obviously been written by somebody who's ex-military in the British forces. Uh-huh. So a lot of the examples, a lot of the narratives yes, to it. Um, very British. <laughs> yeah, struck, struck very true with what I'd expect uh, an NCO to say and how bad I'd expect an officer to be or how good I'd expect an officer to be. Um, so, yeah, I thought um, the perspective of the game is quite unique. It's from a platoon commander who's being trained to go on ops. So everything really is a fibula. It's, you know, it's a fighting and built-up area. It's uh, scenarios that you would play out prior to deployment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think keeping that in mind when you play the game as well, it makes it even more interesting from the perspective of these are the situations somebody with no experience could end up in. Okay. Um, I like the rules of engagement. I think that's a really nice touch, and I don't think we used it as much in our first playthrough because the rules of engagement basically are until fired upon, you can't engage. You can see people with short barrel, long barrel weapon systems moving into positions, but until a round comes your way, you can't fire. Yeah. So anyone can set up in deliberate ambush that you're going to have to go through. And I think that's going to make for a real interesting game dynamic when you, you really roll everything out. I think that's where the support will come in. I think that's where there's stuff like the IEDs being laid into obvious places of cover. Mm-hmm. So you trigger the ambush knowing that you've put an IED into the cover that they have to go to. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of depth to the game. I think they've tried to cover every option. In doing so, there's a lot of tables at the end. I think the big thing it's missing at the moment was the index, just a keyword oh, index yeah. to yeah. fire you back and forth because it's a lot of information. And to be fair, the tables are pretty good. There is a couple of you know, bits that need tweaking, but they cover pretty much everything in the tables. But hunting for a rule is much more you know, much more problematic. Yeah, I didn't really have, but then I come from a different background. I don't really, I never really had a problem with how many tables there were in the game. Course, that's because you first, come from Avalon Hill generation. Of I was going to say, my first game was Rise and Decline of the Third Reich. And I got that for like my 11th birthday. So that explains a lot about yeah. how I turned out. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I think it's not so much the amount, but if you compartmentalized each section so if you'd have gone to combat it would be our assault or what was it blood 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 kill 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 that could be in a section of tables together just some way of just boxing them yeah <laughs> Uh, border to bring that whole segment together so you can easily identify and work through logically same for shooting same for movement whereas the compendium of tables at the end is is every table pretty much in the order of the book which is almost the same but when you're when you're rushing through a game and you're in the moment you're in the immersiveness having that snapshot just to go straight to the correct place i think is really useful yeah 
No, um, I agree. I, you know, agree. I, I totally agree. I mean, like with the, with the rules of engagement, that first grenade that uh, Gianna used to take out my my uh, my PKM machine gun team. Um, obviously, that can't happen if you're using rules of engagement because Gianna literally fired first. She rolled up on that building with I think it was uh, uh, Fire Team Bravo and uh, Sergeant Rock. You roll up on that uh, building, and I moved toward you. No one had fired yet, and then you, your guys were in uh, watch and shoot mode, like their version of opportunity fire or Overwatch or things like that. And uh, yeah, before my guys even really reached the end of the building, they found a 40 millimeter HD frag waiting for them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see a problem with that. I just don't see a problem. (laughs) No, but in in a lot of scenarios, that just that just is not. It it wouldn't happen in 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 ROE. um, In real life, you know, gas is one hundred percent right. You know, our our ROE is extremely tight. You know, you don't shoot until you're being shot upon or, you know, there is that threat of imminent danger or death, you know, like a vehicle not stopping and you're, it's, you know, going through barricades or checkpoints, right? Um, so it, it, by the true rules of that game, I should have sat there and waited until you pointed a weapon at me and then reactionary fire, you know, once I knew there was the intimate threat of death or, you know, serious harm. So, I mean, if you wanted to get really technical in some ways, in some areas or units, they say you cannot shoot until you're actually fired upon. Whether they point a gun at you or not, you cannot shoot until you're shot at. Yeah, definitely. Light war Afghan was that yeah. ROE. With, especially with, for the with, modern, with modern weapons, I can't even imagine. So you basically <laughs> got to stand there and, you know, take it. And then hopefully your fire's more accurate than theirs is. So, I was going to say, they're not exactly shooting brown best muskets at you yeah, either. Right? I mean, you know, modern weapons, they're using the first shot really counts. Yeah, so... Um, but yeah, I think so. the game could work definitely if you wanted to do another live playthrough. It's just okay. One thing I, I at this uh, one in one breath want to warn players about, at the other breath I really like about the game is that if you want to do a full playthrough of Contact Front, there seems to be a little bit of prep work involved. Yeah. What I mean by that is okay, the players get together and what they do is they so okay, whoever has campaign initiative. If you're in the campaign game, it's more or less who won the previous game. If you're not playing a campaign game, you just roll a D6. The guy who's got initiative, like not an initiative on the tabletop, like traditional, I shoot first and I move first. I'm talking about like who, which side is generally winning the overall, uh, uh, you know, campaign context sort of, you know, battle area. Yep. Um, he gets to, he or she gets to pick their mission. Yeah. Okay. And uh, within that mission, you either get a blue or a red list of objectives. Now, you pick off of that list what your objectives are, okay, in secret. And you have to do this all ahead of time. Yeah. The enemy player, meanwhile, or the opponent player, once the um, once the first player, the initiative player, has chosen uh, his or her mission, now the other player gets to pick their mission. And the reason the other player has to pick first is, number one, uh, they want initiative. And number two, not all missions are compatible with other missions. So... Or pretty much the um, winning player gets to pick what the mission is going to be, and then the other player has to pick a subject to that. Mm-hmm. Once the, both sides have their mission, they pick their objectives, which are either worth 5, 10, or 15 points. You're looking for a total of 15 total points on the table. And the reason I bring all this up is you, there's almost like you have to draw like a little graph paper or a notebook or just use like what they include in the book that like they call sit rep sheets, um, ironically. Um, 
<laughs> um, you have to, you know, grab me these little sheets and plot out where your objectives are. And that's, you know, some players might cry paperwork or whatever. I really like that kind of stuff because I like having a little sheet of paper over top of my game, my actual physical table or virtual table or whatever. Yeah. And you almost feel like that, you know, gunnery sergeant or that first lieutenant or whatever with his little, um, you know, um, you know, laminated map in his, in his marker or his response or whatever, like, you know, or it's not modern or maybe like his, his little GPS array. Uh-huh. And you have to literally plot your mission. You know, where am I going to go? Meanwhile, the Taliban player has his map and he's setting up his IEDs and he's watching the table. He's looking at his map. He's watching the table. He's looking at your map. And when your guy gets too close to those IEDs, he says, I got some bad news for you. You know, this just went off and all this is handled, um, you know, off the table or whatever. And then the game plays out and then afterwards, the, you know, players you know, compare their objectives, what, how many they actually got, how many they did. Remember, you don't know what the other players' objectives are. You're not completely in the dark because you know what missions are on the table or whatever. And within that mission, you have that designated list. That list only has a certain number of choices on it. Right. And once the player does a couple of moves on the table, you can kind of tell what he or she is trying to do. And you're like, okay, he's definitely not going for this one. This one's no. This one, he's already accomplished one five-point objective. So I know he's not doing these other 15-point objectives because, again, you're only looking for 15 points worth of objectives. He's accomplished one five-pointer. That means there's only either two more fives or a 10. That means I can knock off all these other 15s. There's that, there's that metagame that I was talking about that's not even on the table. Um, but it does involve a little bit of prep work ahead of time, and you know there would there would be that element to it. But you know that's the one part of the game that we or that plus the support options are the parts of the game that we didn't really uh, we didn't really get to in our in our initial test playthroughs. Yeah. So I, I think we should definitely give it another try if you're up for it, Jim. To um, you know give it to the true spirit of the game itself. So. I, I'm all for it. If you're up for it, I guess. Um, yeah, it might be after the holidays, but definitely sure. Yeah, we can, well, definitely we'll do it after the holidays. Uh, Gaz, if you're available, we'd like you to jump in. And Ralph, if you, you know, maybe we can get, uh, you know, a couple people in there and, you know, play it and go from there. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I'd like to. Uh, I can sit there with the rule book as well, just yeah. being that person, sort of overseer, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that sounds good. All right. So we'll plan on doing that after the holidays when we come back from our holiday break in uh, next season. Uh, speaking of our holiday break, so um, at after this show airs, we'll be on uh, our two week hiatus for um, the holiday season so our people can enjoy and take a rest up. Um, and for you guys out there, we want you to know or hear from you as far as uh, what we you would like. Boy, I'm sorry. I'm stumbling over my words as I watch the UPS driver pull up and deliver me more goodies. Um, what you guys would like to see or hear from us in the coming year of 2020. Um, so to change gears, we're going to talk a little bit about Christmas. Um, so I asked the team to put together their top five list of things they would like to see or do for the Christmas, uh, their Christmas wish list. Uh, does anybody would like to go first? Otherwise, I can kick it off if you'd like me to. Silence. Silence. Go, ahead, um, go ahead, G. Go for it. All right. All right. So I'm gonna, okay, here we go. So I'm going to start from my fifth and work to my number one. 
Okay, so my number five, number five, is uh, work on rules for simultaneous, simultaneous. I need more coffee. Or American or English? I don't know. Yes. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Shots fired. Here we go. Coming coming from the new guy, he literally joins the team right before we go on Christmas vacation. Welcome to the team. Your first task is going vacation. I feel another tea party coming. Uh, all right. So work on rules for simultaneous player actions. So I've talked about this on and off for the last uh, since we started this podcast. I want to create a rule set where both players do their actions at the same time. So I still want to do that. I, I think that would create an interesting dynamic to gameplay where you've got people moving and there's, you know, uh, combat at the same time, just like it would be in the real world. Obviously, at times you're not doing that. You're sitting, you're waiting for them to make a move, vice versa. But there are times when you're you're making your moves, um, and you know the battlefield is not static; it's dynamic. So, trying to make that dynamic as well. That's my number five. Number four. Paint all my miniatures. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's a Christmas miracle. I know, right? So actually, I did refine it, and I put paint all my modern miniatures. Ha! <laughs> all righty then. So that's just as big a goal as anything else. My witch, yeah. Oh, haha. Uh, by the end of 2020. Is that by 2025, Jake? <laughs> by the end of the millennium? Uh, you guys are a bunch of comedians. Uh, by the end of 2020, and it didn't help, I just ordered more miniatures from Spectre as we were talking about Spectre. So, well, to uh, make it achievable, why not put the list up on the 31st of December of what you've got that day? Okay. And you just count everything to that point. Oh, that's a good idea. Is that sounds like a challenge, Gaz. Yeah, that could be. <laughs> I will do that. Put up list. Okay. Uh, but remember, G, you've got the North Tag stuff coming as well. I know. In 2020. Hey. Yeah, but 10 millimeter, 10 millimeter vehicles are, are, are nice. I mean, it's like you can do an army in the afternoon. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So I will put up my list. And if any of you chickens are up for the challenge as well, we'll see. Number three. Create my jungle board for my Spectre Jungle Ops, for my drug lord, my drug lab. Been only talking about that for a year or two. Uh, so I'd like to get that done by 2020. So we'll see. All right, number two. Attend Historicon. Here you go. So we are definitely going to make that happen, Mr. Jim. So we are, we're going to go represent. Okay. So we want to see all our listeners who are able to to attend Historicon. So Gaz, you might want to put that on your list. What is we, it? We, we Historicon in uh, in um, Pennsylvania. It's a big, it's an all historical human uh, convention. They have every year here in Pennsylvania. Uh, we ran across some Sid Rep subscribers. Uh, yeah. Chip was there. Uh, a couple other. Yeah, there was a bunch. I was buying pizza, at, which I shouldn't have been eating. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I was buying pizza. And I was literally talking to the guy buying pizza, and then the, the gentleman behind me was like, "Do you have a podcast?" I said, "Well, I'm on a podcast." He recognized his terrible voice. He was like, "Oh my god, I know you." I was like, um, hi, how you doing? Awesome. So we'll see if we can get like some t-shirts to give away. If somebody comes up to us, you know, we'll, we'll do something special. But definitely Historicon, uh, Gas, to answer your question, it's in July. 
Uh, about the middle of the month, is it not, Jim? About yeah, it was like July 18th last year. It's a four-day con. It's, like, it's not like it's a huge con. Yeah. That should be good. I think we're back from Germany to Poland then. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to try and get you out for the store con. I think you really like it. And number one, build my 13 hours game board. I'm all fired up. After watching the movie again last night, I just ordered minis. Ralph talked me into it. Thanks a lot, Ralph. I just spent more money. Um, and uh, I'm definitely. I'm going to even go big on this one and say I'm going to have it done by May first. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Gaz? It just strikes me as really, really funny. Because <laughs> I know you. Oh, dude, that's that's kind of harsh. So even our thirty first list is growing today. Oh my god. Uh, you know what? Who and you invited you? him for Thanksgiving. I mean, you know. <laughs> I'm a keyboard He's warrior. I'm very polite when I'm actually there. It's now I'm at the other end of the country, I'm okay. <laughs> oh lord well guys that is my list so um i have a challenge to put up my project list on december 31st for 2020 which i will do you can check that out on our facebook page um and i will post it on our patreon page as well so um please if you thought about supporting us please check out our patreon page and as gas so kindly pointed out I should put the links in the podcast notes to our Patreon page. So I will do that because I guess I failed to do that previously. Um, yeah, as an all serious system, you start a project over on, on Tabletop roughly like this, where it was like, you know, like a year long um, uh, project so, or something like that, or so, Tale of Gamers. Yeah, we've, we've put a pitch out there to see what the community response is on Tabletop for a, like you say, a year on Tale of Gamers where they add in the keywords as a hashtag so we can see the pool of people and what they're working on for 12 months. So a really good way of tracking a project, tracking your paints, uh, having a structured uh, goal for each month or each couple of weeks, depending on what your hobby time is. Uh, I think it'd be a good way for us all to log everything without us having to build the site to do it. Um, and I think modern, you know, if you're doing modern, that would be a perfect one because you can, you can scale it to what you want based on the, you know, well, the actual miniature scale, I suppose. Because uh-huh. if, if you're talking 28 mil, 20 mil, then maybe you're just looking at skirmish forces and 12 months is plenty of time really to go to town on that, build a board, everything else. And if you've got more hobby time, then look at all the ranges where you can get full armies, you know, Team Yankee, other options where you go down to X, down to six mil, 10 mil, whatever you want to do. Yeah. That sounds awesome. So maybe maybe I'll put a project on there for modern as well. We could do with a, a, a British uh, rifle platoon and some insurgents to to have some large engagements against. Excellent. Yeah, I I, I like that. That's uh, pretty awesome. Okay, who would like to go next? Next. This is this is. God, I will. All right, go ahead, Ralph. Oh, excitement. <laughs> yeah, you know what, Ralph? Speaker. You are the most energetic, excitable guy I have ever met. <laughs> Real brave. He's English with a real brave. Uh-huh. Well, I tell you what, this new guy's been throwing trash. You know, we have a we have a uh, nickname for new guys. You know, we, we, in the airport, we call them cherries. And a new guy was a cherry or an FNG. So, 
As a crows. You're a new guy, you're a crow bag. A crow, crow. bag? Yeah, or a crow. Uh, okay. Straight out, straight out boot. <laughs> oh, there's the Marine Corps one. Boot. All right, yeah. Ralph. Hey, wow us. Um, well, I, well, I won't be wowing anybody. You know what I mean? It's, it's just... <laughs> No particular order. Um, I want to, in well, hopefully within the first half of the year, get the two Russian vehicles I've got sitting here that have been sitting primed for ages to go with my Spetsnaz Russians that I completed. Which are Ralph, we lost you. Completed. We lost you there. You broke up. You lost this. Am I back? You're back. Yep. Yeah, so so I've got a T14 and a badge, so I want to get them finished and out the way. They've been sitting for too long. So that's one. And also to complete my SAS that are sitting here all primed and ready. Okay. It's just sitting there, dude, to be done. <laughs> I want to do some... <laughs> I want to... Because of there's the spy game coming out in 2020, uh, which is an RPG, but also so I wanted I want to go back and possibly do ghost stops forward. So I want to try and get that written thing to, um, done as well. Because there is a second edition of ghost stops coming in in next year. He's doing a new Kickstarter, uh-huh. so I'll do some writing, get a little bit of writing done. Um, other things. I'm more of uh, the whole looking forward to seeing what's actually coming from the different groups, different, you know, the gaming companies. Yeah. I'm intrigued about what's coming from Spectre. That really does, especially with them moving their vehicles, as we said, to sort of an outside. And they said there's going to be some new vehicles and stuff. So I'm really interested to see what's coming yeah. from them, especially in their miniature set as well, because there's a couple of minutes, a couple of the sets of miniatures that they've done uh-huh. I'd love for them to do some more SWAT guys you know like breachers and things like that with the battering rams and you know the breaching kit and even a police SWAT canine unit which I think would be really nice yeah. as a miniature set um, so things like that I'm also toying with the idea of putting together some a board um there's some 3D printed terrain out there that that's actually you can buy the, the STL files. Okay. So you sell the STL files as to sell the printed ones. Yeah. Um. There's like a destroyed, um, destroyed ho- ho- um, hotel and things like that. It's all modern. Um. They've got a downed uh, drone and things like that. So I was thinking of getting some of these bits, pin them up, and having a possibly a three by four. Uh, or done that I can you know put it yeah. on with some kit yeah continue with what we do here cool excellent we'll continue on what we do here where we we tout and sell modern gaming to the to the wider community that's right make it awesome all right make it awesome yes make it awesome okay Jim how about you all right. Um, okay. Uh, my first thing is, let's see, for a Christmas list, if I understood the, the, the parameters of the question correctly. Um, number one, uh, now that my Marines are complete for 1991 Gulf War, I want to get my Iraqis done. My Iraqis are built, uh-huh. or at least the vehicles are built. They're primed, they're base colored. I'm now putting on a wash. 
which is never fun. Uh, it's actually the least fun part of the process, but I'm trying to put a wash laser right through vehicles. The idea is to get these guys done as quickly as possible. Um, a year-long goal is, uh, is great, but um, frankly, my brain never thinks that far in advance, at least when it comes to projects. Um, I have a very short turnaround time, which sometimes is a good thing, sometimes is a bad thing. It's, can I get it done this month? Can I get it done in the next two weeks? Because after that, I want to be doing something else. Right. Um, so uh, this might take a little bit longer than that because, again, it's the holidays, number one. And number two, not all my stuff is even here yet. Uh, I bought uh, – so I have two flavors, so to speak, of T54, T55s um, so far. Uh, two Shulkas, which came with a kit. I'm not 100% uh, sure – the Iraqis did have them in 91. I don't know how many of them would have survived uh, the six-week air phase of Desert Storm. Um, but I've got them. It's not like I'm going to throw them away. Uh, they came with a kit. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and, um, and finish painting those. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know how much you still, you still see on the table, though, again, because historically that wouldn't really make sense. Those are going to be the first things that the Apaches and the Warhawks are going after. Nice. Uh, seriously, I mean, the, the, the idea that there, there were 600 of them the Iraqis had at the start of the war. How many of them were around by the time we get to February 24th of 91? I, I wouldn't put too much money on that. Um, <laughs> but again, I'll have them. Uh, what I'm still waiting for um, from, I think it's Michigan Toy Soldier Company, is um, some BTR uh, 60s I also bought for them. Um, again, this is a Marine versus Iraqi force, so this is the eastern part of the war, not Republican Guard divisions, only Iraqi official, you know, regular Iraqi Army division. So no BMPs, mostly BTRs, no T-72s, we're talking about T-54s, T-55s, and Chinese Type 59s, and so on. And of course, I still do Iraqi infantry. Yeah. Those I do have, it's just, you know, painting Iraqi infantry for, you know, the next two months is, is going to be fun. Um, so that was number one. Uh, number two, or I should say number five. Uh, number four is, uh, yeah, it'd be great if we hit 300 subscribers on our YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, number three, uh, yeah, for vets all around the world, uh, those that can't make it back for the holidays, I hope they have a great holiday season. Uh, nice. Even families. Um, number two is U.S. and West German expansions uh, for NORTHAG. So I guess that would be CENTAG if they would uh, you know, work on that in 10 mil next year. I'm not 100% thrilled about – I haven't bought anything yet. So I'm not 100% thrilled for uh, starting, you know, basically 1980s Germany and a whole new scale because I've already got, you know, Soviets and West Germans. And now technically Marines and Iraqis in 1991 owned 15 mil from Battlefront. But 10 mil is a great skill to paint, especially if you're like me and you like big tank armies. Um, especially since, you know, North Hag includes things like gas, hold your breath, T-64s and T-80s. And I've beat that drum plenty enough in, in previous episodes. Yeah. So if sometime next year or two, they came, they, they made an expansion again, it probably wouldn't be North Hag at that point. It would be Sentag. We're looking at uh, U.S. 7th Corps, the West Germans, get some Leopard 2s. M1s, M1A1s, M113s, Bradleys, so on and so forth, all in 10 mil. I think that'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. So that's number two. And number one, we had G's Impossible Christmas Miracle that uh, is just not going to happen. So here's my Christmas Impossible. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's my Christmas Miracle (laughs) Impossible. It's just not going to happen. I want episode nine to actually be good. 
Oh, I want yeah. episode nine actually. I'm not. It's a candle in the wind. I don't. I, there's so many factors stick, stacking up against it. But if we're making Christmas wishes, I just hope it's good. I don't know. I think the Mandalorian's been fine up to yet. Episode nine's bound to be okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <give it> pass. <laughs> the data does not support that. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. All right. Nice list. Nice nice shout out to the vets in the active duty. Nice job. All right, guys. It's on me now, is it? It is. <laughs> Come on, new well, guy. So top five then. So obviously coming to the channel, uh, I want to have a bigger input into the channel. That's definitely number five to the podcasts. Uh, helping you guys out, doing more content, and you know, and bearing some of the load, really. Well, thank you uh, for I that. That would be very cool. Uh, number four, uh, quite new to moderns. Uh, been around the military a lot, but not actually been around the modern wargaming scene much. So Christmas is going to be great. It's going to be a week-long break of searching websites, looking at scenery, tables. You know, Pinterest is going to be getting used and saved from a lot um, and getting around all the hobby stuff. The great thing is I've got you and this community to sort of feed me the good information and the bad information uh, about what to steer away from and what to, to sort of lean towards. Uh-huh. So number four is get involved in the community and uh, get a real feel of the overall scope of what modern is at the moment. Awesome. Uh, number three. Uh, an airbrush I'm going to be picking up an airbrush at some point soon uh, I'd like to bring that into 2020 and get that into some do some vehicle work uh, laying down some base colours um, and hopefully maybe getting a few on camera so we can put up some you know how I learned tutorials get that into the for other people wanting to go down that path yeah there you go um, in addition to that, I'll be looking at other tutorials. So, you know, by other people who have been there and done that, uh, and maybe giving links out to that or where I got my information from to have a good pool of, uh, of interest. Uh, number two, uh, I definitely want to pick up some White Dragon stuff. Um, I'm basically looking at doing sort of four areas of gameplay. Uh, I want a snow, snow area, suburban, compound in arid and uh, woodland uh-huh. uh, and trying to get a good scope of what modern is uh, i'm going to break that down into doing one every three months uh, and the associated forces so for the compound and arid uh, like i said we white dragon the british and the insurgents or the taliban it's not the right term but insurgents is what i would call them uh-huh. uh, that's going to be my forces yeah. for that so i'll be digging into the scenery for that and how to build a table so probably something like a three by three skirmish um for the snow one uh, i'd like to do u.s russia so well you know where some of the main fleets have dropped off troops um and there's a bit of a ground you know back and forth maybe through georgia or the ukraine um so that'll be you know modern forces modern equipment uh with a bit more leaning into the points to bring in some other assets uh apcs uh, maybe even the main armor battle tank. Awesome. Um, the suburban, uh, I'd like to be North Korea and U.S. militia. Uh, I'd like to play the uh, Red Dawn. <laughs> uh, I think that's got a lot of potential. <laughs> I was going to say, we, we just kind of blended from modern over to fantasy genre, but that's okay, keep going. <laughs> well, 
you know, it, it's something that, you know, uh, has been out there in the community for a while. I'm pretty sure it's supported for the forces. Um, and if not, you know, I could take U.S. Special Forces from a number of ranges to make up the militia. So I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people with guns in America. <laughs> and there's quite a few with body armor, be it from um, service or for personal protection. So, so that's a really nice one. And then for the woodland, uh, I'd like to hark back to uh, maybe a downed pilot in sort of the Bosnia region okay uh, yeah. where you've got mixed forces so um you know a couple of crew downed on the ground you roll to see if they're injured and they're basically trying to make it to checkpoint charlie get out of there uh, and on their heels are dog teams um snipers you know uh, scouts woodsmen um and you're gonna have some sort of command decisions to make you've got some assets to play with and you know maybe some agent handling uh -huh. guys on the ground there to assist put supplies out so make it a bit of a maybe a, a few game narratory so the game boards won't be as large but what mm -hmm. you achieve on them will be very important awesome uh, that sounds really good i would guys if i was you would i'd, I'd have a look at specter yeah definitely. that one as well because on this the specter facebook when specter facebook group first started somebody put out a um a board that they'd done and it was a river so I think it was three foot by two and it was okay. a stream going up like a mountain and it was basically a group of uh, I think they did SES at the bottom and they were running you know basically had to traverse up the three foot table being chased oh, by a hunter force yeah well I know so we did a bit of escape and evasion because we work with pilots so I understand a lot of what we're taught um, like getting in front of dogs you really can't lose a good dog tracking uh, with a tracker you need to be sort of changing your routes uh, making the dog do 360 sweeps making sure you're not double back uh, and get something like it depends on the dog depends on how many hours ahead before the scent breaks down and they can't pick it up bloodhounds is a lot longer than say an Alsatian um, but yeah it makes for some one interesting board making two some interesting rules and as a narrative you know, it could be that you, you only get through the first level before you get captured taken away uh -huh. but um, and then the final one is just to you know absorb everything um, have a good year uh, balance my hobby so that I don't try and do too much and not achieve all yeah uh, not like you G I let you shoot my guns. That was very kind of you. Much appreciated. But then you didn't allow me to watch the shows because I went to the airport, so you were trying to get me picked up and lifted for gunshot residue, I think. Uh, I think that was just a cunning plan two days before to keep me there. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but no, so I think uh, 2020 is uh, going to be a good year for me. And if good. it's not, I'll make <laughs> it. You know, it is what you make of it, you know, honestly, no matter what. So does anybody have any last thoughts before we close out the last show of 2019? Um, on the whole topic of, uh, I mean, Red Dawn or whatever, the yeah. movie came out, obviously, like, was like 1983, 84. And then the new one came out much more, I think it was 2016. What um, new one? The new road. There's oh, a new yeah. one? Yeah, with the Helmsworth brother, one of them. I didn't see it. There, there's no yeah, that's the, that's the one that, uh, that I guess is talking about. The original, the original script was for China yeah. to invade the United States. Yeah, yeah. 
which is, I mean, absurd enough, but um, they changed the, the script in the last minute because they wanted to sell the movie in China. Um, so now it became even worse where the North Koreans somehow managed to invade us. Now, as silly as these ideas are, the idea of a conventional war that might work for a table like that in the United States uh-huh. is something that uh, has been kicked around a lot. How it could happen, how it would happen, and, you know, I don't, I'm not, you know, just, uh, I don't even want to use the word suggestions, but like, you know, other ways to accomplish the kind of board or some ideas to accomplish the kind of board I think you might be talking about. Um, America has been written and rewritten and rewritten in a bunch of ways. Uh, Harry Turtledove is one of the big um, alternate history uh, authors. It's been great over the time. Yeah. You know, America can lose these wars. America can, you know, have a full-blown war in the streets of Missouri, Nevada, Florida, you know, New York. It's usually United States versus, or I should say not United States. You know, you, you can break America up into pieces. Uh, and these things sadly have happened where you'll literally have, I mean, I'm, talk, I'm not talking about the American Civil War, I'm talking about much more recently, uh-huh. where you've got like survivalist compounds up in the mountains of, uh, up in Montana somewhere, and the government has to go down and dig these guys out. And there are gun battles there that will make the Taliban green with envy as far as what kind of weapons these people have. Um, there could be some sort of, I mean, America is very polarized right now. It's not, I mean, it's not completely out of the uh, realm of imagination to say by 2030, America has literally started to crack apart at the seams, and you could have some sort of a thing going on in the future. And if you wanted to be a little bit more, if you wanted to stick with like an Asian theme for your um, for your invading army, you wanted to keep it more of an invading force. Have you ever heard of or seen the movie uh, The Day the War Start? No. It's Red Dawn, but in Australia. Okay. And it's Red China invades, and that could happen. I mean, that's, I mean, China's right there. They've got big allies in the region. Everything they've been doing with the Spratling Islands in the South China Sea, that is a big, big worry. Uh, from the friends I've talked to in Australia, you know, some of them are really, you know, got their hackles up about what's going on in the South China Sea, and this is something that they actually are worried about. Um, I mean, it's still like, you know, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but it's a lot more... It, it, that way you could have a, a, um, a formal military invading a American-looking or Australian-looking suburban area and, you know, have it be in a slightly different setting that's a, that's a little more plausible. Or again, you know, if, if you wanted to literally just do the movie... You know, go for it. But, you know, that, that idea, people tend to just hand wave it like immediately, like, oh, for crying out loud, whatever. You know, Kim Jong un is not like the next Hitler or something. You know, Hitler could never invade the United States. So I'm going to go at it with a slightly different perspective. There's a series called Hot Zone uh, that was okay. done by National Geographic. Uh, it's the true story of the Ebola virus that made it to the US in the late 80s. Um, that particular strain had a 90% kill rate so essentially you've lost 90% of the population you're broken down and it's a fight between the other larger nations that now the Ebola virus is under control and people are vaccinated they're coming in to take the land because you've not got the bodies anymore to defend it so now it's it's borderline post-apocalyptic almost yeah yeah okay cool but it's so recent it was so fast yeah Yeah. um, I think it's kill time was less than a week so they could literally invade a week from now and you'd only have 10% of the population left to defend. So it's not even that far post-apocalyptic. Right. Stuff would still be running. You know, some services would I mean, still be running. Do you, do you, do you think one or the other, the other 
sort of if you know, see you've got a desert border or an arid board, you could then do basically a border town between the US Mexican border and do the whole cartel, you know, that type of thing that's been in the news recently within within the states, you know, where you've got the drug open gun battles on the streets, take over the town and stuff like that, and people are either defending it from it. You could also flip it and do sort of with that, you could flip it and also do like a mini modern take on the Magnificent Seven. You know, you have a yep. team of seven specialists who go into the town to defend it against a wave of cartel gunmen trying to take the town over for whatever reason. You know, you could you know you could put that in sort of narrative twist on. You know, a, a, a yeah. Sort I mean, of El Centro is a camp I've been to. Um, El Centro is a camp I've been to, and it's um, just uh, north of Mexicali, mm-hmm. um, which is right there. Which is mm-hmm. that's the type of place I'd expect is as close to the border without being over it as you can get. Um, so that would be a, a good setting for it. Um, the other thing is, um, to, we talk a lot about the terrain and the, the miniatures. Uh, I'm going to really dig into scatter terrain, to be honest. <laughs> Because I feel a lot of the boards that I see have got all the good basic features, but they don't have the, you know, the old cars that are there and the, you know, the, the litter on the street, the, you know, the wooden boxes and crates. And the, a lot of these, a lot of these places have these extra, extra things that give them a bit of character that are kind of missing. So uh, I'm looking forward to digging into that and seeing what I can find out there in the industry. Uh, nice. Antonosity's workshop's got a load of bins and things like that and crashed vehicles and stuff. It's really good. I picked up a couple of their big sort of wheelie bins, dumpsters, and some of the other trash and incidental stuff. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's so much now. I don't know if you would use it on an American resin and it. Yeah, American. I mean, I don't know if you would use it on an American table because American streets are pristine. We have absolutely no trash on any of our streets. Ah. <laughs> our streets are. Sarcasm, <laughs> oh, Jim. Really good. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, we're going to wrap up this episode. We want to thank all our supporters on Patreon and all you guys who follow us on whatever channel it is that you listen to us on. Um, We look forward to see what year 2020 brings. We want to wish you, your families, your loved ones, all our brothers and sisters in the military, no matter what nation you're in, who cannot be home and are serving and protecting their countries, a very happy holidays. Um, And for the rest of the command team, we just want to hope that you get a full year of great gaming in. Uh, As a quick reminder to our Patreon supporters, make sure you're sending us your mailing address so we can get out your gift. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it has something to do with... uh, a quaint little saying um, keep a long story short so uh, so guys uh, until the next time in 2020 uh, we look to bring you some more live streaming um, maybe an op center somewhere in there maybe Jim maybe oh yeah well I mean we are building new miniatures yeah, so, so. and some obviously live streaming gaming um, we're not going to have any formalized schedule for the next couple of weeks but you, you never know who could jump on to do a live stream just to keep things fresh and exciting so until the next time guys you guys have a happy holidays we'll see you in 2020 thanks very much for listening